My name is Kaylee Golden, your favourite girl from Brum, and this right here is the Radio Silence Podcast, episode number two. On this podcast, I'll be sharing the stories of minority groups within the UK radio industry and just generally asking what on earth can we do better? How can we make this industry so much more diverse? Because let's be honest, we all love audio, we all love radio, so we want this industry to be the very best it can be. Throughout season one, we'll be focusing on the stories of black creatives in the industry. On today's episode, I'm joined by three amazing women that work in the radio industry. First, Camilla Rose. She's a radio producer for BBC One Extra and also presents for Foundation FM. And I'll also be joined by Sinead Brooks. She is a wicked producer at Foundation FM. And finally, I'll be joined by Cassandra Denton, who is a senior producer for Unedited. I also want to take a moment to mention that this season is dedicated to the great work being done at Black Minds Matter. Now this charity is so close to my heart because they provide free therapy for black people throughout the UK that are struggling with their mental health this year. And trust me, this year has been a very, very tough year. So to have a charity there, giving that support is vital. To learn more about them or to donate to their cause, and if you've got the money, please, please do so. All the information is on the notes of this podcast. Right, sit back, get your notepad out and take some notes because we're about to get into it. Starting with the amazing executive producer, Cassandra Denton. Can we just talk about your journey into radio? How did it all begin for you? So in 2009, I got a job at a local charity called Bang Edutainment. And that was also the home of a radio station called Bang Radio at the time. It's now called The Beat, but it was called Bang at the time. So I started a job there as an administrator and I randomly just kind of thought, oh, right. I'd never really actually thought about working in radio before then. Always listened to it, always loved music. But if anything, I had more of a passion to be on the music side than anything else. So I kind of thought, okay, let me kind of see what's happening here. So I um, arranged to shadow a producer just to see how things worked behind the scenes. I was just like, I love this. I've got to get me some of this. So I went from shadowing that producer to taking the show over and then working on a few different kinds of shows. That kind of led to doing like a little bit of scheduling, outside broadcasts and like producing things like standalone content as well for special things like uh, lupus awareness and World AIDS Day and stuff and stuff with the local council, Brent Council. And yeah, I got like so much experience there across so many different areas that I'm so, so grateful for to this day. How important do you think community radio is to developing new talent? I think it's massively important. In fact, I think it actually doesn't get the credit it deserves for some of the biggest names that are on like commercial radio and national radio right now got their start at places like the beat or west side or represent you do know what i mean so it's like i think it's massively massively important one of the key things for me seeing as we're talking about representation and it's like a conversation that's quite wide now was the fact that when i got my start representation wasn't a question i was at a station that was black owned black run there was no question about whether our stories were important for me I think community radio stations are doing a better job at that than bigger stations are. When you come out of that, you realise just exactly kind of how different the mainstream is. (laughs) Definitely. When anyone that does work in community radio, whether you're volunteering or working, it's just a completely different experience. And as you said, as you go into the mainstream brand, et cetera, it starts to filter out. And you might see one or two people that you know from community radio. But Mm -hmm. aside from that, it just really starts to filter. And you're like, where has everyone else come from? Who are these people? (laughs) It's definitely a shock to the system. Because especially when you live somewhere like London, that is quite diverse. And then you walk into certain industries and certain places and certain sectors of the media, for example. And you're like, right, am I in the same city? Am I really still in the same city? Like, okay, I know that there are like certain communities that are in high populations in certain parts of London or whatever, but across the board, London is a diverse, multicultural place. So to walk into an establishment that is at the heart of London, for example, some of these media places that are right at the centre, be like, rah, these are the places that are responsible for 
talking to the nation about news and what's happening around the world. And I don't see anybody that looks like me. Like, that is mad. We've briefly just talked about representation. Do you feel represented now, especially being a producer behind the scenes? I know a lot of black producers. Where those black producers are and where their roles are carried out is a different story. So I think when we're thinking about grassroots and we're thinking about small indies, then we are there. But if we're thinking about like on a larger scale, there's still a lot of work to be done. Like it's still like very underrepresentative of of anyone that's not white. A reason why I was so keen to talk to you as well is because of within the conversations that I'm having here on the podcast, a lot of the people that I'm talking to are mainly like from specialist radio, etc. And a lot of it is music radio. And even when you was doing work at The Beat, when I was there, you was producing Time to Talk, which was predominantly a speech show. I just wish that more young people would say, oh, do you know what? I'm going to try and learn how to do speech radio because there's so many conversations that need to be had, but it's, it's just not happening. Like there's not really a young black voice out there in terms of speech radio. Yeah, but I think because we do have podcasting now and the the barrier to entry is lower than it is for radio, those opportunities are being taken up by young people who want to share their voice and have their voice because they are seeing clips go viral from people like Nick Ferrari or someone like that, for example, and they're just like, hang on, these people are talking about topics that are about my community that affect me. And one of the things that annoys me most is if you look at the schedules for some of these places, the representation is just not there. However, the topics will come up. So it's just like, well, hang on. You don't have anyone on your schedule that is quick to have this conversation in the way that it deserves. You are actually relying on callers, which I know that they're calling shows. They're going to rely on callers anyway. However, you shouldn't need to rely on callers exclusively to bring some kind of experience to these conversations. You should have somebody on your stage representative of that community. And what annoys me is it's just like, okay, cool. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matter or we're going to talk about colorism or we're going to talk about, I don't know, whatever the thing might be, appropriation or whatever. And you haven't got anybody that can speak to that specific experience, but instead you're relying on callers to come and basically do your job or you'll have a guest presenter every now and again. The schedules need to reflect us so that these conversations can be had properly, but I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I want to I want to be able to like be like oh this presenter is equipped because they may have some experience or be a part of that community or something like it's just getting so tiring now. Tiring really is the correct word and I think with the rise of Black Lives Matter I think now is the time that change is really going to happen. Do you feel like do you have faith that change is going to happen? I think to a degree I have to <laughs> try and believe that there will be some changes that come off the back of this because essentially we keep coming back here and then we get to a point where it's just like okay the conversations come out of like what is the main topic of conversation or the mainstream news they found all the ways to make it seem like we're just whinging it dies down and then things go back to normal yeah I don't want to see that I want to see actual change I want to see things that are like relevant to what we're trying to say as well I don't want on our behalf people making decisions about what's offensive to us as a community and they haven't actually asked us as a community and then it's just like oh and that's on the front page when actually there are big issues that we're talking about but now you're like making it seem like we've got an issue with everything we've come to you with these issues fix the systematic issues fix the systemic issues like just being cosmetic about taking an offensive 40 Towers episode out of your box set or whatever, fine, thanks, or whatever. But hey, that is not what we are marching for or what we are protesting for. It's so true as well, because of when we see these news articles like about comedy shows and this and the banning this, the banning that, I do sit there and think, you do know that that's not what the protests are about, like, yeah. All we want is equal opportunity. That's all yeah, we, we didn't want. ask for this. Yeah. We asked for you to have a representative media so that people that are actually experiencing things are the ones telling the stories. And these are shows as well that are from like 10, 20 years ago. And it's just kind of like, okay, how things were then is completely wrong, but we're trying to fix the future and the present. So what yeah. happened in the past, okay, is wrong, but 
that's not going to fix the present. Let's work on the present and, well, yeah. and make the future better. Do you know it's what like, I mean? So it's superficial. Like we said, like we're not saying that these shows are right. Like if we're looking at shows from like the 60s and 70s, obviously they're going to have things in there that couldn't fly now. And that is fine. We've moved on as a society and those things shouldn't be accepted. However, they've already gone out. They happened. Yeah. What are we doing now about the situation we're living in now, about representation within the media today and stereotypes that continue to be playing out today based on the fact that the media is not representative of all of us? Fix that. Exactly. And all it is, all it is, is speaking to people. Like, as you said mm. earlier, I've sat down and had multiple conversations with my bosses at my work and just having conversations with your staff and your employees and just saying, what do we need to change? What is it? Tell us your experiences. Mm. And if managers and owners and etc. throughout the country just done that and just yeah. actually heard voices, then you would know what needs to be changed. And it benefits them yeah. as well. Like diversity and inclusion benefit business. They benefit any workplace and any industry. I can't remember what I was listening to the other day, but like they were basically saying that if somebody is marginalised in any way, so from an underrepresented group or their workplace isn't inclusive, they can't bring their whole selves to work because a percentage of their brain is constantly thinking about that thing that you don't have in place to support them. It's a worry that's always there and that's always carried with them. So it benefits industries and business to fix this. It's just about making people feel welcome and comfortable. Like you're at work so much, realistically. You spend so much time at work and when you're not there, you're still thinking about work. It makes a ma- It's a massive part of your life. So it is just about making sure that people feel comfortable and okay. Two of the most important questions is, Mm -hmm. why do you think there's a lack of diversity in radio? I think if you're the default, so if you're, so we're in England, so if you're a white person, for example, you are in the majority. So you could be in the majority in lots of the places that you go to within your day to day, whether that's your workplace, your social circle, your friendship circle. So if you go to places, and that goes for things like your your course at uni, your college, all of that, if you're responsible for then building an industry or recruiting for an industry or whatever, seeing yourself reflected around you is normal. You don't see anything wrong with that because that is what you essentially are used to. So there's a little bit of just being used to things, being like that and not noticing that or not even acknowledging or knowing that there should be people that are different to you. And then there's racism. So I think it's a little bit of both. I do 100% agree with you that it is both. I think a lot of people have just been oblivious to it. And it's kind of like we've seen, even myself, like I've seen how the industry is as soon as like I entered. I've seen how it is, but it's kind of like you don't even argue against it because you're just like, oh, it's how it is. So like from my side, oh, we're underrepresented. All right, cool. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And mm. a lot of people will see it and say, oh, this isn't right, but what can I do? And I think now is the point where it's just like, okay, we all see how it is. Everyone's agreed that it's not right. So what are you actively going to do to make change? Like, even if you're a producer, even going out your way to listen to other content, to bring in new talent into the station and just recommend, just a recommendation could go a very, very long way just by you yeah. going out of the way and maybe listening to different podcasts, listening to different radio stations and saying, oh, do you know what? There's this great talent. And my boss would never have seen would have never have seen that person, or even there's a great producer from this community station. My boss would have never even knew that they exist, but I'm going to tell them. And a recommendation goes such a long way. We're all responsible. It's not the case no more of just blaming it on on the bosses. The bosses are wrong, but we all need to make this change. One thing I will add to that, and part of the reason why there is a barrier for yeah. certain groups is because within a lot of mainstream media places they're looking for a lot of the same experience yeah so that in itself can be a barrier because not everybody has worked at the BBC not everyone has done an MA at Goldsmiths or something like that for example so I found this when I was wanting to work in production as in the production indie 
Now, a lot of the places are specifically for BBC experience or something like that. I was like, well, I don't have that. So now what? But I've done X, Y and Z. So that's how I kind of ended up at Unedited because, well, I knew Bernard and Andrew. Well, I knew Bernard, but I don't know if I would be where I am if Unedited wasn't a thing. Because at the time, a few years before that, I was trying to get into the industry and it seemed very closed to me because of my experience. It's completely true what you're saying there, because as I said, like, I've had a lot of conversations lately about bringing people into the industry and etc. And what some people don't even realise, being in community radio, you doing one job is literally like 20 different jobs. You have to do everything. Some of the yeah. best trained people are in community radio because of, yeah. they don't have the resources that you have. If you are in a commercial brand, if you are at the BBC, we don't have them resources. You are everything. You're a video producer, audio producer, social media producer, a programmer, schedule, everything you have to be able to do because if some of the best content comes out of community radio. I agree. I think that is, is there's definitely been a shift between when I started in 2009 and now. Yeah, like people are actually right. Actually, people know what they're doing. It's like, well, yeah, because like you say, you have to have your finger in all pies and you have to do everything. And one of the, one of the best things that I've always said to anybody, one of my one of the things I'm most grateful for is is that is being able to do lots of different things because I it's become apparent that had I had my start somewhere else, somewhere more mainstream, I wouldn't have got that. And not only would I not have got that experience the environment probably would have made me not want to even do it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad I learned where I learned from the people I learned from in the environment I was in because I think that made all the difference. Yeah, it really does. So the final question, how do you think that we can fix this problem? Just hire people. People just need to be hired. That's all. Like, it's actually not hard. Yeah. The hard part comes from determining whether it's not being fixed because they don't want it to be fixed or they don't know how to fix it or they can't see it's a problem. But like, it's not hard to fix. Just hire people. There are some incredibly talented people from all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of ethnicities, insanely talented in the skill, all the skills that they're looking for. So there isn't actually an excuse. And then don't just hire them for stuff that's about race. Hire them for everything that you would hire someone that wasn't black or wasn't brown or wasn't from a certain faith. Do you know what I mean? Don't hire them based on that identity. Hire them as a human. Thank you so much to Cassandra. She's such an incredible producer. And from one great producer straight into another, Camilla Rose, who's a presenter for Foundation FM and a producer the Kenny All-Stars show on BBC One Extra. What was your journey into radio? How did that work? I started like, at community radio. I did a competition with Kiss FM like, six years ago. Um, and it was called Kiss Chosen One competition. And it gave me a chance to, you know, try and be a Kiss presenter. I didn't win it, but from that I got a show reel. And that was really good because I just sent out to loads of different community stations. And I got a show on Represent which is really cool. And at the time I was like, oh, this is sick. But like, I didn't think it could be a job. So I just, like, I worked in TV as well at the same time. So I sort of just done my little show on a Sunday once a week and that was it. And then I think maybe after being a representative for about two years, I never really gave, kind of gave it my all. I was like, actually, like, the stuff I do in TV, I could easily do this in radio. So I kind of made this move across from TV into radio. And, yeah, it sort of kind of, like, grew from there. You know, you sort of leave places and then you sort of new opportunities come up in terms of presenting. In terms of producing, I've started my work as a team assistant at BBC, um, which is like a broadcast assistant, really entry-level role. And yeah, from that, it just kind of gave me experience, you know, behind the scenes in radio as well, which definitely helped, I think, with presenting. And as you just mentioned, so your journey started out in community radio. How important do you think community radio is for starting people's journeys? Honestly, community radio, I think, is so important because it's actually such a breeding ground of talent. There's so many different people who, you know, learn the ropes there, people who, you know, you wouldn't, especially if you're from maybe an area where, you know, you've never like thought, I could actually work at the BBC or a KISS or a Capital. Community radio gives you that chance to, you know, really like learn the ropes in radio. 
And I think for me, because I didn't really, I didn't get involved in my student radio at uni, which I really do regret. Community radio did that because that sort of avenue for me to be able to like learn the ropes in radio, understand what driving a desk means, which definitely helped me, I think, get an actual like paid job in radio long term. So yeah, honestly, I can't shout about community radio enough. I tell anyone, like, if anyone wants to work in radio as a presenter or producer, or just see if they like it, get down to your local community station. And there's so many, like, there's literally like, <laughs> there's so many community stations out there. There's like no excuse. Definitely. I think it really is a way in. You're in radio frequently now. Before you really made that jump to being in radio, did you feel represented? I was thinking of that. And I feel like because of the the sounds or the music I like and liked, which is like, you know, a lot of hip hop, R&B, on those sort of platforms that specialise in that music, I did feel represented, you know, like growing up listening to like Choice of M. I'm like, yo, like everyone's black. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I felt represented, like, you know, listening to one extra, you, you think that, but it's only when I started working in those spaces and I realised, like, I could easily do a show on a mainstream station, but why have I always put my mind to, you know, more of the niche, quote-unquote, station? So I think it's only when I started really working in the space and understanding, like, wider radio, aside from, you know, stations that play music that I like, that I realised that, oh, actually, it's not as represented as I, as I initially thought. And as a radio presenter, how does it feel there being a lack of black female representation across the national mainstream brands? So let's put aside one extra for now. Let's put aside Capital Extra, Choice FM back in the day. And let's just look at more mainstream stations like Capital, like Kiss, like Radio One. How does that feel for you? It's more frustrating. I think that's the thing, because I think especially as a producer and as a presenter, it is frustrating to know that sometimes you are that boxed into to those, you know, less mainstream platforms. So for me, I think the main thing is it's frustration. To be honest, I feel the same as you. And the reason why I get frustrated, because as you said earlier, community radio is so full of talent. We see that the talent's there. And when you come from community radio, you just have so many people. You look to your left, you look to your right, and it's just pure talent everywhere. And it's like kind of streamlined, so it only goes into certain stations. And it's such yeah. a strange, it's such a strange world when you think about it, because we do always just go, oh, one extra, capital extra. Do you know what I mean? We don't really think yeah. of, that we can shoot We can shoot for the other stars as well. Do you know what? And that's the thing. I, it's only, I would literally say, like, I'm going to say that in the last like, year that that really occurred to me. That, like, oh, actually, like, why have I always, even like the other day I was listening to like Smooth and Magic and I was like, I love listening to that like, Smooth and Magic there on my station. They're what I actually listen to in the car. And I'm like, hang on a night. Why have I never thought I could work or go on these platforms? You don't always have to think of what you listen to or what your personal circle's like. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it is a mix of, you know, is it a personal thing or is it the is it an industry issue? And I think it, it is an industry issue because you shouldn't go into an industry being so, like, almost closed that you think the only place you can work or have opportunities is things that you listen to or you like. And to be honest... With COVID and everything going on, like I've seen so many people do like chat shows on their Instagram and even like talk radio. There's so many brilliant presenters that are just in community stations that just usually just play black music. But I'm seeing them advance and do interviews and do a lot of things that would sit well on a talk radio station, on a speech station. So, So it just shows how people have the skill set. It's just we're not really exposed to them kind of stations yeah I think it's definitely that's it being exposed to them for me definitely it was like growing up it was very much like yeah like you've got to be on capital like capital's like the cool one or when extra's the cool one but um I think when you actually start working there you kind of see the industry a bit wider and you, you realize things a bit more rather than it just being like what you and your friends like <laughs> The show that you work on is Kenny All-Star's show on One Extra. And one thing that I love so much about Kenny's show, about Snoochie's show, is that One Extra is really just bringing the authentic black radio sound that we've heard before on community stations. We've heard it on online stations. But to hear it at the BBC and it just be so raw and it sounds so good and it feels so good to listen to. Why do you think it's important for shows like Kenny's shows to be so authentic to black rap music? 
Kenny, he's he's consistently been himself, like throughout all of community radio, throughout internet radio, until like the BBC. And I think as a presenter, like you know, someone who's going to be a tastemaker, you need to always, you know, believe in your source and realize that I I'm going to get to where I want to get to without having to change my sound or change who I am. And I think as well, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, like the sound that's becoming popular at the moment. If you look at the charts is black music. It's music that derives from traditionally black sounds or is made by predominantly black people. When you look at the popularity of Drill at the moment or Road Rap, they're in the charts. Like Stormzy's one of the biggest artists. And, you know, he, I'm pretty sure he done one of Kenny's community shows like years ago back in the day on community radio. So like, of course, that's become popular. And I think like, you know, you have to think like, okay, I guess that's then, you know, BBC and stuff being progressive because they're, they're identifying that and they're like making sure they put the platform to get that sound out there. But it is literally, it's the sound that's popular. And I think that's what people want to hear, you know? They, they want to hear the latest drill. They want to hear the latest like road rap and they're going to they're gonna play it. So I think, and I think it's good that there are shows that are so authentic like that and are really music heavy shows and have that community radio feel like, you know, with the sound effects and, you know, Kenny, as he's so good, is, it's the voice, the streets, you know, it's like, it's not, you know, some older white guy doing it. It's literally someone who looks like the people making the music. And I think that is, that is that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. And it really is. And another reason why I love that show and Snoochie show, et cetera, is because of, as you mentioned earlier, there's so many community stations in London. But as you move around the country, there's less community stations and even like, let's say the black music stations, they are very, they're for an older demographic a lot of the time. So it would be a lot of like old school reggae, that kind of vibe instead. So places like Birmingham, places even further up north that don't really have that within community radio can find that in one extra. And it's such an important thing that sometimes you don't even realise that until you take yourself out of the London mindset. I could literally name you probably, if I really thought about it, 10 stations that I could easily get to within like an hour from my house. Yeah, and I think like definitely being in a city like London, you definitely take it for granted because anytime I speak to people trying to get into the industry, I'm like, community radio. And But that's me coming from a London mindset. I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a local one somewhere. But I think that's when internet radio becomes super important as well because like, you know, like look at the strength of No Signal and the power and what they've been able to do in such a short space of time. And that is literally being run on the internet through in their bedrooms. Like, you know, people have not done traditional radio before. And it just shows you that like radio is changing and like you can still make great sounded shows that people want to hear. No, definitely. I think it is the answer, seriously. And No Signal, they have just done incredible things I just want people to put so much time and effort into stations that are upcoming like that do you know what I mean it's just it's brilliant um you mentioned earlier the platform that you're starting tell me a little bit more about that what made you do it so yeah it's called the bring in and basically so you know when like you get always like people messaging you like oh I love radio or I like tv I'd love to work in it can you give me some advice and I think during lockdown, I was done like a little series called Cam's Hacks, where I was like giving like tips and tricks. And then I think what, what did spur me on was a lot of after, you know, the, the death of George Floyd and the power of the Black Lives Matter movement that was happening. And like, you know, looking back, like you said, uh, the information you put out there as well, Kaylee, about the lack of diversity in radio. And I was like, you know what, like I want to be able to mentor some people. So I just put a tweet out and was like, you know, I'm going to offer some one-to-one mentoring sessions for black people who want to work in or I can help them, you know, any advice in radio, TV or journalism. And I had so many people get in touch with me and I thought that I physically, I wanted to do everyone, but I had like over 80 people and I was like, I can't give everybody an hour of my time. (laughs) That's 80 hours. That's like four days of me just like nonstop talking to people. So I was like, you know what, let me set up something a little bit bigger. And that led me to set up the bring-in. And I think like the bring-in isn't it is for it is for everybody. But um one of the things that is gonna be just for black people in the bring-in is um, a mentoring program that I wanna get up and running and that's like pairing people who are sort of coming into the industry, black people coming into the industry with black people who are already in the industry and sort of just, you know, spreading the knowledge. But you know, we're gonna have like panels and just like, a lot of information online just to like, continuously motivate people. That is so, so exciting. Do you know what? I love that because people definitely need it. Right. Two final questions for you. The most important ones of the whole podcast. 
The first one is, why do you think there is a lack of diversity in radio? It literally goes back to what I was saying about having the privilege of having certain opportunities. I mentioned at the start, like my thing of radio came from doing a competition with Kiss, but before that, I did some like, work at the Roundhouse. And I only got to know about that because I was at uni and then the careers advisor was like, oh yeah, like, here's something they do at the Roundhouse. And you'd, you'd be entitled to it for free because you're from a low-income family. I think that if you're not in those spaces where those opportunities are going to come to you, you're, you're never going to know that those things are available to you. And I think that that's what feeds into a lack of diversity because being able to do, and when I say diversity, I mean racially, obviously, but also like class diversity as well. That's, that's a big issue as well. And like a lot of jobs starting off in radio that are unpaid. To be able to work for free is a luxury in, a city, in anywhere. It's a luxury and it's a privilege that not everyone has. Not everyone has a family who's able to support them to pay for the bus fare, to go to the community station, or to pay for the laptop for them to be able to do interviews on Zoom. Do you know what I mean? And I think those are the sort of things that barriers can be put in place that would stop people being able to get into those industries. And especially it happens to then be people of colour, especially black people who are more disproportionately affected when it, that happens as well. So I would, yeah, definitely say, like, there is a diversity problem. And I think it literally goes back to the beginning, like, the privilege of being able to have opportunities isn't something that everyone is afforded. And I think that's why radio and the audio industry, they have a duty to make things more accessible for people. And I think there was the diversity in audio packs that went out and that was you know production companies signing it and one of the steps was you know paid internships and that's to me that any work someone does should be paid because they need to be paid for what they're doing do you know what I mean so hopefully with things like that in place it will change the industry long term I was going to ask you how do you think we can fix it but you've literally just answered it and something that I do (laughs) (laughs) something that I do want to point out as well on the podcast while I'm here is that even companies, so I've done something called Music Potential, which was funded by Barclay Card and Capital Extra. And even with that, that experience, like they paid for your food, they paid for your travel. And then at the end of it, like I got a grant of like £500 for equipment. I still use that equipment to this day. Do you know what I mean? So, but that was, that's literally what helped me start any of my experiences. So even companies, if it's not the case of internships, just a £500 grant that seems nothing to you, that is literally someone's starter kit on how to to, yeah. to do anything. Like, that got my mic. It got my DJ controller. Like, it set me up for good, do you know what I mean? So now the government have put a lot of money into radio for them to make certain kind of programmes on commercial radio. And I'm like, yeah, I love the funding coming into the radio industry, but that's not where it needs to go. Where it needs to go is to these starter, these starter situations, you know what I mean? That start people up and get people ready and get people... It's important to be creative, do you know what I mean? And we're not taught that in school, really. It's so important, honestly. And I think, like, it literally goes back to, like, just have it, like... Imagine if, like, your school had, like, a mini radio like they do at uni. Like, that would be mad if schools all had, like, a mini radio set up. I get it, like, schools can't afford it someone to be able to get to uni to experience that it takes a bit of time do you know what I mean like there's yeah they just need to make more schemes especially those summer like little schemes I used to do they need to make them more available again and bring them back yeah yeah because even as you mentioned at the beginning of the interview you even was just like oh with radio like you was doing your show on the Sunday but you didn't think you could make a job out of it because even that's the most important thing as well people don't realize until very late down the line that you can be paid to make radio, you can be paid to present radio. And that's why a lot of the time we have this culture that radio equals free work and that's it. Do you know what I mean? So you don't really realise yeah. until, until a good about five years in that you're like, oh, people actually get paid a, a, a real job. Like it could be a real job. <laughs> Even like some of my friends, they still like, oh, so like your, like your job is like a radio present. I'm like, yeah. And I still feel weird even saying that because I'm like, no, it is my job, but I get paid to do it. But I think it's been ingrained so long that like, oh, you don't get, this is unpaid work. It's for the love of radio that you do this. But no, it can actually be a job. It can pay the bills. So Yeah, yeah. And do you know what, actually, a question that I would like to ask you as well is, how how do you think people can make that jump then? I think we've all been in that situation that you're doing the job for free. When do you make that jump that it goes from a hobby to an actual paid profession? Oh, do you know, I feel like that is so 
hard. And I think, okay, I'm going to think a bit wider. I'm going to say networking. So letting people know the skills you have. So like if you are a community station and working there and you know you've learned how to edit, you know, maybe start reaching out to different production companies and letting them know like, hey, like this is what I've been doing. You know, get, when you have your social media presence, also let it know that, you know, you can edit. So if you've edited like a little audio montage, we don't need to see another selfie, maybe throw it up on your Instagram and that there could be someone else on the Instagram who's like, oh, like, because I use my phone a lot. I'd be like, oh my God, Rob, I don't know. Sophie, she she can do audio montages. I'm looking for someone who can edit. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's that's a good way of putting yourself out there. So I'm going to definitely say networking, like network and let people know like what you can do because you're I've learned this proper late on in life, but no one's going to come to you and say, hey, we like what you're doing there because we magically got to know you existed. So we're going to give you a job. But no one's going to do that. You need to put yourself out there. Otherwise, no one's going to know what you're doing. Camilla Rose there talking about her experiences as a producer for One Extra and as a presenter for Foundation FM. Now, another great person that works at Foundation FM is the brilliant Chanae Brooks. She's a producer there for the Happy Hour Show, and I caught up with her to talk about her experiences getting into radio. It's quite weird. So I studied journalism at university because at school we were forced to apply for university. And I think in the back of my head, I always wanted to do radio, even without like saying it out loud and fully knowing myself that I wanted to. So when I then got into uni, we did radio and I was like, nah, this is lit. I kind of want to take it further. And then I always thank my uni for this as much as uni can be like annoying sometimes. They forced us to get like work experience and I got experience at one extra and it kind of just opened my eyes to like, oh, you know, first radio station I've actually been in. This is lit. I really want to do this. And then from there, I got an internship at Beat London. And then I was just like producing a bit and just helping with like, as like volunteer, a volunteer role where you're just helping around the station in any way you can, whether it's through like content, cleaning music, that sort of stuff. And then I kind of grew there just helping a bit more and a bit more important stuff. Um, I was there for a year and then I got a job at Foundation FM where I'm at now. Pretty straightforward before you started to volunteer who were your like inspirations to get into the industry who did you listen to who was you a fan of you know it's mad because I feel like when in the back of my head I wanted to do radio I didn't really have any inspiration because I wasn't really seeing anyone that made me feel like I could do radio but then once I slowly got into radio I would say Yasmin Evans was someone I really looked up to and she was probably the person that made me think I could actually do radio and then Trevor Nelson as well they were definitely my two where it was like the leaning point to not just liking them because I like radio but enjoying what they were doing in a sense of I could do that as well. Not to put words in your mouth but do you think that the reason why you may be steered towards going to one extra is because of obviously the people that you said you're inspired by Yasmin, Trevor, they are both people on One Extra. And as we all know, One Extra is so full of great black talent. Do you think that's why you lent towards doing work experience at One Extra? 1000%. Like I said, I grew up in like a small town, so you don't really see that representation. So I think when I found a radio station that was playing the music that I liked, and it was also represented in the presenters, it definitely made me lean towards that. And what was it like when you started to actually walk into the buildings and look behind the scenes? What was that like for you? So I think because it was still early days, you don't really realise what you're seeing and what you're doing because you're just like, rah, I'm here and taking all this information in. But now I look back at it, I would say, obviously I looked up to say like your Yasmin's and your Trevor Nelson's, but I'm a producer and I would say it wasn't represented as much to begin with until I then interned at, say, like the Beat London and Foundation FM, which I've been so lucky with because I've never felt like a sore thumb sticking out, whatever the saying is, you know. I felt I had been represented, but definitely at, say, like the bigger places that I've been lucky enough to, like, be in, I wouldn't say it's as represented. Working at community stations because as you know like I've worked on community stations also worked on big commercial brands as well and 
it is like two different worlds. It's two completely different worlds. So you go to places like the Beat and Foundation, where there's just so much young black talent there, just absolutely killing it. And then you might go into the bigger stations and it's like it slowly filters out. It's really strange to see. Has it ever put you off leaving community slash online radio? And has it ever made you shy away from maybe going to commercial or BBC? No, it hasn't, but I see how it can. It hasn't for me just because the role I've taken in the job I have now, it's such like a big role that it's made me sure of myself. So I've gotten to a point where I don't feel like anyone else can make me feel smaller because I know what I can do and what I can't do so in that sense it hasn't at all once you've almost been like grown and you've flourished into who you are in the industry it's hard for someone to then make you feel a certain way when you know no I can do x y and z no one chat to me kind of thing so yes that's the energy that we all need for life as we briefly touched on representation how important do you think representation is in media I think it's the most important thing because I feel like if it wasn't for me getting work experiences and getting internships, I wouldn't have done radio. And the places I went, I felt represented. I always wanted to do radio, but it was almost one of those things like, I always wanted to be a singer, even though I can't sing. Like, it's in the back of your head, but are you going to actually do something about it? And I think once I was in those doors and I was seeing myself represented in the presenters and the producers and the spaces I was working in, it then became like, no, I can do this. I can definitely do this because this person that I'm working with, they've got the same story as me. Do you think that people would maybe benefit from stations screaming more about their behind the scenes stations maybe showing their producers and showing who works behind the scenes because as you said you're a producer and you can't see what the representation looks like in the building until you're actually in there yeah it's a job that the bigger station should be doing because they don't realize how how much of an impact that will actually have on someone because I know that would have been a big thing for me growing up wanting to do radio because for anyone that hasn't gotten into radio from looking on the outside all you see is your presenters and who's on the mic so to know that there's a thousand jobs behind that that all matter just as much as the presenter if I even saw that a couple years ago maybe I would have been five steps ahead of where I am now but who's to know that's so interesting that you that you feel like you would possibly be five steps ahead it seems like something so simple, but stations just don't do it, even though it's just something so simple. You don't realise the impact that something so small can have on people's mindset and aspiring people's heads. It's just something so simple, but it can work wonders. Yeah, it's little things. Like I remember when I first went to a big station and there was a whole table of people working on jingles and adverts. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know this went into this. And that's a whole nother set of people that are young that are like, I love doing things like this, but I didn't know that was even a job and it's still classed as radio. Radio can be so hard to get into because the amount of research that you have to do just to even, as you said, understand that there's a job called imaging that you can make. It's so much research and you'll go to university, spend three years there. And you mentioned your journey into it was very much like volunteering at stations, community stations. How imperative do you think volunteering is to get into radio? It's super important, but with that, I know like when I started out, I took everything like a thousand times more serious. So like if I did something wrong, it was the end of the world. And I feel like, so it's important to volunteer, but I feel like there needs to be that sort of lane set where you're made to feel okay. You are just starting out. I think a lot of people, we do volunteer and the reason why we all do radio is because we love it. And sometimes when, especially when you are volunteering as well, it can be so demanding and so like, I remember just every time I got something small, I'd literally be sitting there like, oh my God, this is it for me. That is it. I'm never getting a job in radio. Like I'm going to get fired from my volunteer job that I don't even get paid for. I'm going to be gone. And that's it. And it's crazy that there's that much pressure on people to just get it right when you're just there to learn to be honest exactly and it's mad because you know I've gone from being a volunteer to having volunteer like 
finding volunteers myself that work under me and like my first thing is please do not stress like you can ask me for anything if you can't finish something that's not your problem like that's my problem so like we'll work through it together obviously when you're young you think your volunteer job is like the be all end all volunteering is great and it is how you get into radio but don't stress do you think that the industry takes advantage of volunteers I don't want to say yes as in like you do you do you do to everyone but it's been seen a lot they get taken advantage of and I think I understand it no I don't understand it but I see how sometimes you could have good intentions with your volunteers and then because radio is such a fast-paced like industry you kind of get lost and then all of a sudden you find you're asking your volunteer to do things that you shouldn't be doing or we're not checking back in on them to make sure they're getting everything that they want it's a hard one because I feel like the industry as a whole I personally feel like one there's so much pressure that people have to volunteer it's like you have to volunteer that is how you have to get into radio and it's kind of like okay but if you can't afford to volunteer then how does it work then and then when you are volunteering I think sometimes stations can put that much pressure on volunteers and on their shoulders that it's kind of impossible to do anything else like you're you could be at a station like four times out of the week and it's like how am I meant to work a job as well to be able to fund volunteering I've been there where I've looked after volunteers and I've been having management down my neck and I've literally just felt so sorry because I feel like I'm literally like taking the piss just straight up taking the piss and it's just heartbreaking because again you'll have people go oh I need to turn down the shift so I can come and volunteer if you need that and you need the money, you shouldn't even have that thought process as if I don't turn up because I have to go to work because I have a job, that I will lose my volunteer and I won't be able to get into radio. And I've heard that conversation take place so many times in different stations. And it's just heartbreaking, really. Yeah, I think there's definitely like a culture that needs to stop of you have to do this because we can easily replace you. Because it's true, if you leave, your volunteering job they will find someone else but that's not to say that person's going to be better than you but they can find someone else so I definitely think that culture needs to stop because it does put pressure on those wanting to come up into the industry feeling like they have to do a full-time job for no money and they still have to pay bills so I definitely feel like that culture needs to stop that's why for me when I work with volunteers that I work with now I'm so big on If they say to me, oh, I'll finish it when I get home. No, you won't finish it when you get home. You send it to me and I'll finish it because you're here to learn something and to get something out of it. So I definitely am big on as soon as a volunteer starts, what can I do for you as well as you do for me? Like your whole shifts shouldn't be you podcasting or doing this for me. Like we'll do 50-50 and then what do you want to get out of it? What do you want to work on? Because... Like you want to be going up the mountain. You don't want to be just going straight and you get to a point where you're just helping on things that aren't actually helping your growth. But you feel like you have to do that to be in the building. But it's not actually, it gets to a point where it's not doing anything for you. How do you recommend people to have that difficult conversation when it gets to the point that you think that you've learned or you've learned and you need to make a living, you need money? You know, it's such a tricky one because there are some buildings that, you know, aren't nice buildings to be in when it comes to having those conversations. But I'd say, number one, you have to believe in your own source and remember that, again, it's not the be all end all. Like if they turn around, they're like, no, I don't want you. You will find something else 100 percent and you may have to take a couple steps back to then go forward. But it will be fine. So once you believe in your own source and you know what you bring to the table, it's fine to have those conversations, but just make sure like when you're in these buildings, you're not wasting your time. So you're having the conversations, getting the knowledge that you can get. So just in case they can't offer you a job, which, you know, sometimes does happen. You've got everything you could possibly get from it. Definitely. And the two big, big questions is first, why do you think that radio has a lack of diversity? You know, it's such a tricky one because I feel like I'm still on the other side of it and again you know I work in buildings where we're in our own bubble and there's so many representations I don't have a definite answer but for we know it could be to do with working for free I know 
for me, I couldn't afford to work for free for so long. So I just got lucky that I did get a job. But say if I didn't and a couple months down the line, I probably would have had to take a step back and go into like a full time job to make money. So I feel like maybe it's not represented because the more well off students or kids can work for free and then it helps them get in that building because when they finally got that chance, they're there when others have had to take a step back to focus on other things. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those ones that the people on the top need to be having that answer and that question really flesh it out. Yeah. Sometimes I struggle with, and this has only been the past few months really, that I've struggled with people saying, oh yeah, I see me in presenters because of I've really opened my eyes and realised I see me in, in only specialist stations. And I think sometimes our minds are so set on on one extra and on capital extra that it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I see me. But do I really see me? Or is it because I'm just only seeing me in this one station? It's so true because we pick our favourites. So we almost blur out the rest. So 100% I'm not actually represented in the grand scheme of things but because my eyes are focused on certain stations which play the music that I like it is very true it's not a full circle of representation at all and how do you think that we can fix this as a radio community how do you think we can fix this issue I would say like making our own platforms and showing that but we're already doing that so it's almost like how much of it can we do before we're actually getting seen we can't kick the doors down. They almost have to be kicked from within to really make that difference because, you know, we've been having these conversations and they're not happening until we protest. And then it's like, we hear you, but we're not really hearing you. We're hearing you for now. So I think all we can do is keep being vocal and like making a stand and just focusing on the content that we can put out on our own platforms. Anyone that gets finally through that door even if they're one out of ten not that they should have to deal with that weight on their back but they almost need to be I'm in that door what can I do to bring more of my people into that door as well no definitely and me myself I'm having so many conversations at my workplace and one thing that I'm just going to throw out there is sometimes it can be so scary and you literally think I can't talk because if I do that will be it for me I'm going to be blacklisted from radio just have the conversations because I've never loved working at a workplace as much as I do now because I know I can have that conversation. Yeah, and even if you're not in those doors but you're around people that are in those doors, have those conversations with them and be like, right, you need to be having that conversation in your building. You just have to keep talking about it, keep sending emails, keep just questioning because everyone likes to pretend, oh, I didn't see that everything wasn't represented. Well, I'm going to keep reminding you until something's done about it. If you enjoyed this episode, which of course I know that you did, then make sure that you subscribe to Radio Silence wherever you get your usual podcasts. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Silence Pod. So feel free to get in touch. Let us know what you think. Did you enjoy the episode? Or maybe you're a black creative within the industry and you want your voice heard as well. Just hit us up. Now Radio Silence is presented by myself, Kaylee Golden, and produced by Palama Kaufman and Sarah Hebimoti, and engineered by Eric Breer. The music was made by My Blackest Productions and we'll be back next Monday with more important stories to share.